0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host Steve Robertson saying good morning to you from Seminole, Oklahoma. That's right. I didn't make it all the way back. I didn't try to. Uh, To be honest with you, I got caught up in the basketball game and I thought, man, no matter where I am, if we pull this thing off, I'm going to pull over. I'm going to get a hotel room. I'm going to record the show. We'll have an emergency pod. Didn't happen for us. We're going to break that down. But uh, I was a little late leaving New Mexico And that's okay, right? Anytime that you get a little longer to spend with a person you love, it's always a great thing. So I wasn't going to rush back, Uh, but here we are. So I decided to shut it down last night about 11, even though if you know me at all, if you know me uh, personally, you know that I enjoy driving at night and people worry about the deer. I don't worry about them as much. Uh, You know, you can't live your life scared, but uh, I like driving at night because there's uh, no traffic on the road. There are no lines at the truck stops. It's easier on the car. You know, it's just, I'd rather drive at night. I would. But uh, last night, I decided to shut it down. It had been an eventful few days. Uh, It was shared with you guys, uh, I guess, what what is today? Wednesday? Yeah. You forget, you know? Uh, Yeah, so Monday, we had a great time. And then, did some cool stuff, man, out in uh, in Albuquerque and Santa Fe, as you guys, uh, many of you have reached out to me about skiing. Yes, I do plan to go back. Yes, I do plan to take more classes. I want to be good at that. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm not going to go enough to be, you know, proficient or anything. I just want to be able to go out there and enjoy myself and have a good time. It is an exhilarating experience. It really is. And I'm an adventurous person, and I'm glad that I married one as well. And I I didn't marry some frou-frou girl that sits on the sidelines, right? And so I'm very appreciative of that. i tell you another cool thing that we did, a couple things, to give you some date night ideas, because that's kind of what we're doing here, right? So when we got back to uh, Albuquerque, you know, we were just like, after being in Santa Fe for a couple days and kind of being on that high, I really wanted to have something to do entertaining-wise. And so we, we found this thing called Singo... And it's basically musical bingo. So they give you the bingo card, and they have like a theme for it. And then they play over the PA, the song. And of course, you may have to use Shazam, because I don't know all those country songs. And so like the one one category for us was drinking songs. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, drinking songs, I mean, that's what country music was founded on. And so I needed some help with that. So you use Shazam. But anyway, it's basically bingo with music. It's still bingo. There's no skill to it. If, like, if it had been trivia, I would have killed them. I would have absolutely left that whole city in ruin if it had been trivia, but it wasn't. So that was kind of cool. We went and did that. It's a little, little. Uh, I can't, the, the Brew Lab, maybe? Brew Lab 101. I don't know if it's a franchise or not. Cool little place. I don't drink, you know, but uh, went and had a good time. And it, it was a good, it was a family environment. Like it wasn't just like, you know, a crazy bar type thing. I mean, there are people there with kids, and they're all playing bingo, you know, with songs. So that was kind of cool. And then uh, our last night, we went to this uh, painting with a twist thing, and maybe there is one near you. I, listen, your I, your you're good friend and host is an artsy person in many respects, but as far as like drawing and creating or anything like that, that's just not in my wheelhouse. And uh, my wife had gone a couple times with some friends and work, and loved it, and wanted us to go. And uh, I didn't realize how much it meant to her for me to go. That's kind of how it is sometimes, ladies. We'll go, and we'll have a good time, especially if we know it's important to you. I had no clue how important this was to my wife. None whatsoever. She got all emotional talking to me about it, which got me emotional. I mean, you know how it is when you love somebody. It's like, especially when you know you've hit the spot, right? So we did this painting with a twisting, and, and uh, she pulls it up. The picture is so intimidating. It's like a picture of Wendy Adams with this stained glass window and I, I know that I butchered it I think I did okay uh, all things considered considering that's the first time that I've painted anything since I finger painted in like the second grade but it was great and I'd say it was so relaxing I mean just you sitting there and I didn't feel the least bit stressed about trying to finish I'm like you know what I'm not a professional artist nobody's ever going to see this I'm not trying to sell this this is just something for us maybe you put it on Facebook and I did but we had a blast we had an absolute blast doing that and again, I think it's because number one, a chance to create something with your hands, and you don't take yourself so seriously. You know what I'm saying? You just kind of get it because everybody in there is a novice. There are a couple people in there that were really, really good at what they did, uh, but it was about a dozen people. and We had the little thing, and you know, some people had wine. I had Diet Coke, and uh, painted a picture, and now we have it. And so one day, you know, my kids can fight over that someday. You know, some name at the bottom of it, and we'll do that again someday. Uh, so again, some date night. Uh, you know opportunities for you you know but nevertheless that's not why you came here that's bonus content for you there we had a great time we had an absolutely great time looking forward to the next time and uh you know that's the 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 toughest thing for me so we always talk about adversity and stuff like that man the hardest thing for me is to kiss goodbye man it is so difficult for me to get out the door and thankfully i won't have to do that too much longer but uh but nevertheless we're back um Headed back to Mississippi, and and I'm trying to get all this recreation stuff done before college baseball season starts, you know, because that's going to be February 17th, and it'll be Nose for the Grindstone, man, from uh, then until 4th of July, right? Because we're going to be optimistic about the season. Let's take our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Longtime sponsors of this show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I love them more than a friend. I don't think my life would be the same. If I couldn't go in there and get those spring rolls, I know I wouldn't be nearly as beautiful as I am. And after being away for a little bit, I need to go back and get some spring rolls and kind of get, uh, you know, refurbed a little bit, get a refresh. Next time you're in town, go have the spring rolls too. And that's the best thing too about Bulldog Burger Company. It's no longer just a historical property. Three great locations to serve you, University Drive and Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and of course the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive in the original Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. Get that great restaurant quality hamburger. They call it Bulldog Burger Company for a reason, and it's the burger that matters most. They put a lot of time and effort into putting these recipes together. They're outstanding. There's going to be something for everyone on the menu. There are a lot of places you go and you're like, oh, I don't want to eat this, I don't want to eat that. That's the thing about Bulldog Burger Company. The menu is so diverse there's something for everybody. Get the Sloppy Joe sliders maybe one day for lunch. You'd be glad you did. It'd be like that time when Mom just surprised everybody on Sunday night and said, hey, kids, we're having Sloppy Joes tonight. Like, yeah. Treat yourself. Get that chocolate shake to go. Maybe bring a bread pudding home. I'm a big proponent of dessert on the run. I'm a big proponent of dessert anyway. Probably need to eat a little bit more here as of late. But all that said, Bulldog Burger Company, a great place to eat, a great place to work. A great place to enjoy a night out with friends and family. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, Mississippi State nearly pulls off a major upset last night. And, yeah, I do feel like a broken record at times. But this one was a little bit different, really. I mean, we lose by three to Alabama. State really, really, really came out strong in this game. Now, there are a couple factors that are at stake here. Number one, Alabama's already beaten us. And I'm sure they're thinking, hey, we went not beat him in our place. We'll just kind of show up. Maybe we sleep late today. Kind of maybe glaze over that walkthrough. Go to shoot around, thinking about what we're doing afterwards. I got a test tomorrow, whatever. So I think they came in a little flat. And that's not in any way to take uh, anything away from Mississippi State, because we came out ready to fight. And before you know it, Alabama realized, wait a minute, we got to take these guys seriously. And so I think, number one, Again, there is room for optimism. And at the same time, too, I get so tired of talking about these losses and being proud of a loss. I'm never happy about a loss. But, again, I think what we're seeing is Chris Jan's the intensity level, the coaching ability, the ability to motivate players is there. It's absolutely there. And we nearly pulled it off. So let's look at that. Of course, State, uh, you know, again, just kind of came out ready to fight and Tolu had a good game early on. And before I get into this, too, of course, I was on the road, so I'm listening to Neil and Richard. And I don't know that we say this enough, and maybe it's because I don't get to listen to games because I'm usually at games, right? Um, we have incredible radio people at Mississippi State, absolutely incredible people. Jim Ellis, one of the greatest ever in baseball. Neil Price, Matt, doing a great job in football. Richard Williams is absolutely outstanding providing color commentary for men's basketball. Absolutely outstanding. And again, I don't get to hear it very often. And so uh, it's a, maybe, I, it shouldn't be a surprise, but it's a reminder how good they are. And I don't get the sense that Richard's some big homer. Of course, he's a bulldog, but I never get that. There are times he goes, Oh yeah, he got him on the wrist or yeah, a little bit of got him with the body there. He was clean with the, with the upper body, but got him underneath. I mean, and he talks about – he compliments other players. Like, this kid can really shoot. This coach does this. This coach does that. And so I, I think he is as, as objective as a former Bulldog coach can be. But the guy loves basketball. Absolutely loves basketball. But, uh, again, State comes out ready to roll. And, uh, you know, we take a 2 nothing lead, and we we pretty much held the advantage most of the game. It's like all of a sudden you think, okay, well, okay, once, once they get going – You know, we're going to be in trouble. Well, you look up all of a sudden, just under 16 minutes, state has an eight-point lead. You're thinking, hey, is this going to happen, right? We're going to make something happen here? You think, okay, well, surely Alabama will turn this thing around quickly here. And state just kind of hangs in there and hangs in there and hangs in there and shoots the basketball pretty well. And you look up at the under 12, it's 14-6 to state. State playing incredibly hard on both ends of the floor. Alabama's not even getting good looks. They're forcing some shots. There were a couple times they did get good looks, and they and they, they, they knocked them down. They hit a three-point basket to make it 14-9 at 11-43. But, you know, State's getting after it. And that's the thing that's kind of our calling card right now, which, you know, we know, we know we're know we not going to want to shoot out, so we've got to really defend well to kind of keep the score down a little bit. Nine minutes to go in the first half. State is up 11. Tolu Smith, nice move in the paint there after a Mark Sears turnover. It is 20 to 20-9, Half over halfway through the first half. And, again, you kept thinking, okay, let's just pinch us, right? At some point, Alabama's going to make a run. Well, yeah, they kind of made a little bit of a run and cut it down to six, and State takes it right back out to 10. It's 7-26, 24-14, and I thought State did a much better job defending perimeter shooting this game. It kind of got to us a little bit in the second half. but In the first half, we really, really gave them some trouble. We, did. we made them earn everything. Alabama narrows the lead down to three, just under the six-minute mark, and State takes it right back out. Again, that's what good teams do. There's some ebb and flow in ballgame. Everybody makes a run. The big basket here was Deshaun Davis, ramming on a three, made it 29-21 right at the five-minute mark. And Alabama's just kind of punching away and punching away and punching away and punching away. And And the next thing you know, DJ Jeffries hits the big bomb from outside. It is a 10-point game in Tuscaloosa, in Coleman Coliseum. The place is absolutely quiet. Listen down the radio. It's like that's one of the things I love about the radio. It's like sometimes the crowd kind of paints the story for you. At this point, Alabama fans are like, wait a minute, what's happening here? We're number two in the country. We're number two in the country. And in State gets a couple back-to-back stops. and With just over a minute to play, Will McNair, who has been an incredible addition to this basketball team. I don't know that anybody really expected that. Right There may be a few of our you know, hard-nosed, blue-blood type uh, basketball fans that maybe knew a lot about Will McNair. Will McNair, I think it's been a pleasant surprise for Mississippi State. I think he's making Toulouse Smith's job a lot easier. A heave down low from Will makes it a 10-point game with just over a minute to play. Absolutely incredible. And then right at the buzzer, Alabama hits a three. Incredibly, that ends up being the margin of victory. You know, it's like you, you almost look back in hindsight and say, man, what if we'd have gotten a stop there and gotten in the locker room by 10? But either way, State had to have a lot of confidence here. You had to feel like, you know what, we're in this thing. And you know Chris Jans' this message at halftime is, like, guys, you deserve to win this game. Keep playing hard. Keep defending. Keep rebounding. You deserve to win this game. We came out in the second half, and, and again, it, we're right there in it because you know Alabama made some adjustments, and I do think Alabama came out with a little more urgency in the second half. I mean, it's like you look – I think Alabama realized they were actually pretty fortunate that the game was only 10 because if State could score, if State had a little more offensive proficiency, Alabama might be getting to run out of their own gym. But, again, State kind of dictating the flow of the ball game here. So Alabama makes a bit of a run here. They cut it down to three. State pushes it back to five on a DJ Jump, Jeffries jumper. And then Shaquille Moore, huge three there, takes it back out to eight. So it's kind of like, hey, we know that Alabama's going to come out. They're going to start coming out throwing haymakers. we got to be able to survive that. State absorbs their big rush and then takes the lead back out to eight. It's what good teams do. We get Cam Matthews down low for a dunk. It is a 10-point game, and, man, it is absolutely amazing on social media. Because all of a sudden we're thinking, you know what, hey, we got to survive the first five minutes of this half because they're going to come out bombing threes. And not only did we keep the lead, we stretched the lead out back out to 10. You knew Quinterly would have a say, and if he didn't have a great offensive game against State the first time, comes back, has a really good game here, kind of – makes the jumper here to kind of stop the run for state the lead is down to four just under 15 minutes to play thanks to brandon miller's layup there uh deshaun davis knocks home a, a two-point jumper to take it back out to six but you you knew at some point they were going to come back and, and maybe even pull even with us and we, we missed some opportunities we did I mean, there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But uh, I'm not going to sit here and pour them out the effort for Mississippi State after we nearly beat the number two team in the country in our own gym. And this is sometimes we look back at these losses and say we should have won the game. I don't know if we should have won this game, but we certainly were capable of winning this ball game. All right, so we look up with uh, under the under 12 there. We're just under the under 12. It is a three-point game, 46-43. State maintains the lead here. DJ goes down. He checked there. He misses. And then we get a couple stops here. You know, we get a couple stops, we hang in there, and then Rylan Griffin hits a jump rate. It's a one-point game right at 10 minutes, and you kind of felt like, you know what, if we lose the lead, we might be in trouble. Well, that proved to be the case, Well, we didn't fold. Rylan Griffin hits a three to put them up two. We go right back down, Tower Stevenson with a heave at the nine-minute mark, evens the game at 48-48, and then guess what happens? State retakes the lead. It's like, so again, there's this back and forth and back and forth, but we absorb it and then take the lead back out. You look up all of a sudden after some made free throws there, and State's got a three-point lead. Quinterly pulls them out, nearly even, and then Brandon Miller makes a three-point basket to put them up two uh, right around a seven-minute mark. And at this point, Alabama began to kind of exert themselves a little bit. I don't know if we kind of wore it down a little bit. We went a long time without scoring, a long time without a made field goal. And those are the lulls that get you beat, especially on the road in this league. And that's kind of what happened. And listen, to be honest with you, Alabama wasn't running you know, offensive proficiency here. You know, It wasn't a beauty contest by any stretch. But they were able to get some good looks down low. And we just kind of seemed in a bad place because we couldn't match them scoring-wise. But um, five minutes to play. It is a six-point lead for Alabama. And you think, okay – if we don't make a basket here, we're in a, we're in a really bad spot. We don't. And they go up eight. And at that point, I thought, hey, you know what? Good effort. This thing is over. Deshaun Davis hits a jumper to make it six. They make a couple free throws, take it right back out to eight. So we're down eight with two minutes and 15 seconds to play. Now, a lot of teams would have folded here. A lot of teams would have said, you know what? Hey, it's been a good effort. This is the number two team in the country. This is probably a one seed the tournament. We have represented ourselves well nobody's going to think poorly of us, but that's not what Mississippi State did. Mississippi State continued to try to win a basketball game. Again, that says a lot about coaching, a lot about character, a lot about your players. Deshaun Davis steps up and makes a couple free throws, narrows this thing down to six. Uh, Javon Quinterly makes one free throw, but it is now, so it's a seven-point game, and then we get Cam Matthews loose for a heave down low. It's now a five-point game, and we get a stop. We work it down low. We get a basket to Tolu, which makes it now a three-point game under a minute to play. You're thinking, okay, we just need to get a stop. We call timeout. We settle the defense. We get ready to go, and sure enough, we get the stop. We get a stop, and then we have a chance. We don't call timeout, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it. Let it play out. I don't know if we had a timeout left. Do we have one left, I think? Maybe. Yeah, I think we had one left. They, get, they miss. We go down, and then um, – you get Shaquille Moore, and the shot is partially blocked, and then Eric Reid kind of throws one up, and it ends up being a two-point basket anyway, even if it, it wouldn't have mattered if it had fallen. And so we lose. And, you know, we expected to lose. And that didn't make it any easier to lose, though, right? It's like there's no, there's no glory in that. But, again, I think we're seeing the steps. We're seeing this program kind of mature before our eyes a little bit. I think people are beginning to kind of realize when you play Mississippi State, you're gonna to have to fight the whole ballgame. It's not gonna be one of these deals where you just kind of show up and they're gonna go away. We're not gonna quit. And I think again, this is kind of a building block. You look at the numbers and you begin to think, you know, Steve, you know, why are you guys still kind of saying that we got a chance to do some things? Well, I think it's because the schedule gets a lot more favorable after this weekend. I've said that for weeks. We can just get through this Big 12 challenge. I think we're going to play some teams not near the caliber. I mean, our, our SEC schedule was front loaded. That's not. This, I mean, we still got Kentucky on the back end. Don't get me wrong. My point being is that there are some winnable games down the stretch, and we're going to win some of those games. But we, we outscored them 36-29 in the first half. It's basically the reverse on the second half. They get us 37-27. The difference in the ball games three points. It's amazing how it works. It's like you know, there, there are no empty possessions in close ball games. We always talk about the last couple minutes. You know that, that, that basket right before the break proved to be a big basket because you know you don't just win the first half. They total the scores from both halves. You make a stop there at the end, it's a different situation. Now, of course, you know the complexion of the game changes down the stretch, but every possession for both teams was huge down the stretch. It's not like they just kind of ran clock on us. They had to try to win a basketball game. 11,681 attended. That's a nice crowd. And I appreciate the Bulldog fans that went over. Uh, Tolu, just short of a double-double again, 15 points, 7 rebounds, uh, just 21 minutes of action. And I think one of the reasons you're seeing you know his numbers and his minutes go down is because of the emergence of Will McNair, who in 20 minutes had 8 points and 3 rebounds. Uh, Deshaun Davis one of his better games 36 minutes of action 14 points he was five of five from the line four rebounds did get in some foul trouble and some of those were late you know uh, DJ Jeffries again we need we need more from DJ we just do and he's playing hard but we need more balls in the basket seven rebounds nine points from him four of 11 from the floor one of six from three just think if he makes one more Uh, Cam Matthews continues to do the grunt work. He hurt a wrist in the ball game. Uh, It didn't appear to be serious. He did return. 32 minutes of action, three or four from the floor. Missed both of his free throws. And, um, again, we're we're decent. Eight or 12 from the free throw line as a a team. We're just not getting to the line enough. Cam with six points. Shaquille Moore just five. We've got to have more from Shaquille. We do. He needs two of ten from the floor. It's not like we didn't give him opportunities. Uh, The only player that attempted more shots than Shaquille was D.J. Jeffries. Who had 11? Will McNair, of course. So we mentioned him, eight points. Tyler Stevenson, a transfer from Southern Miss, just has a couple, or has a, yeah, a couple, four points. And then Eric Reed Jr. too. I, I don't. I, we had higher expectations for Eric. I don't know what's going on there. Hopefully, we can kind of get him going. But uh, you know, we need contributions from everybody. State just three of 15 from beyond the arc. Again, eight of 12 from the line. Again, free throw shooting is not really getting to us. But the difference is we're we're not getting to the line as much. And that's where I thought Alabama really made a difference in the second half. Is they they were intent on getting to the line, and so they were going to the rim. Now, we again, we talk about perimeter shooting. We held Alabama to 17.9%, 5 of 28. Great job in that respect. And, and you're, if you're going to beat Alabama, you're going to have to defend a three-point shot because you're not going to beat Alabama to track meet. And so I think the game plan was good. I thought we executed it well. We just didn't do enough on offense. And that, and that again, we talk about that over and, over and over and over and over again. We do. But Alabama, one of the better free throw shooting teams in the country, 19 of 22. 19 of 22. We, we talk about the three-point stuff. Uh, that's a the difference. They're making 11 more free throws than we are. You're plus 11 and made free throws, good chance you're going to win the ball game, especially a tight game like this. But again, my hope is, Is that we look at this and say, you know what, hey, we are good enough to play with anybody in the country. When we go out there and execute, implement the proper game plan, and put a lot of time and effort into this thing, we got a chance to beat anybody. And so, even though we lost, I think there's a lesson learned from this. Is that you know what, people are gonna have to take us seriously. And if we go out there and play within ourselves, we got a chance. And again, again, just like the Florida game, you know, you got a chance at the buzzer to make the big basket. You don't come through. But coaching gets you there. Coaching gets you to that opportunity. you got to be able to execute. All right, so as you guys know, we'll be back at Humphrey Coliseum this weekend against what, 11th-ranked TCU? Is that right? 11? you got back-to-back top 11 opponents, right? Isn't that fun? So that's a 3 p.m. tip in Starkville. We're going to honor the game of change. We're going to take a trip down memory lane there. So, this Saturday, 3 p.m., Stargill, uh, make sure you're there. Should be a nice crowd. And then from there, things ease up a little bit. And you can see, Steve, we've only won the one conference game. I'm sure people look at us and think the same thing. You know what? You're probably right. And until we start winning some ball games, people aren't going to take us as seriously as they should. But you look at this schedule, and it'd be nice to say, you know, here in about a month, say, hey, look, Mississippi State has turned this thing around. I, I think we can. If we play with the same level of intensity we did last night, we can. And again, that's the thing you look at. Other than the Tennessee game, people aren't blowing us out. We're there. We're just a, we're just one or two scores away from being a really good team. We've hired the right guy. We just got to kind of hang in here. If you're not going to make the game Saturday, it's going to be on ESPN two. ESPN two. Hope you can make the game. That's ESPN two. All right. So on the women's side of things. Uh, the ladies are uh, back in action. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Pretty big ball game coming up tonight in Oxford, Mississippi. Eight PM tip. It'll be broadcast by the SEC Network. If you're in the area, let me encourage you to go. Should be a pretty good ball game. Now, you guys are well aware that um, Ole Miss has not played well as of late. They will be motivated and ready to play tonight, as will we. You know, our ladies have played uh, pretty well. Of course, we got that barn burner with Kentucky, you know, some moments there that kind of got away from us. But State's won three in a row, and you look at the Ole Miss side of things, it's a little bit different. You know, again, Ole Miss is a good women's basketball team, and uh, you got to give Coach Yo a lot of credit. I know many of you do not like her just because of the fact that she coaches at Ole Miss. But there's no denying the fact that the lady can coach basketball. But they've lost two in a row. And uh, looking at all Miss here, kind of looking at their their SEC schedule, and again, everybody's kind of figuring this thing out. Uh, they opened up just absolutely destroying Auburn, 79-47, and then they beat us at our place, 61-50. They beat Vandy by 21, and then they beat AM, so they're off and running. They head out to Athens and beat Georgia. People are like, man, this team's going to do great. Now, all of a sudden, here as of late, things haven't really been the same. They lose to Alabama and Oxford by five, and then they go on the road and lose in overtime to Johnny Harris and the Tigers of Auburn. So, big difference in the two games, right? And, and I don't think it's just a matter of home court advantage because Ole Miss beat Auburn the first time by 32 points, and then you lose on the road at Auburn in overtime. I think it says a lot about Johnny Harris, but I also think, too, I think some people are kind of figuring some things out about Ole Miss, and so it'll be interesting to see how this game goes. It'll be a very physical game. No ifs, ends, or buts about it. This will be a very, very, very physical game, and a game we need to win. Again, this basically puts us even in the standings with Ole Miss in the SEC, and, again, a chance for us to take a step forward. This is a nice net win. And forget the fact it's a rivalry game. It absolutely is a rivalry game. And we haven't um, been swept by them in a series in years, and so you want to at least pull even. And uh, again, we're turning in the right direction; they're turning the wrong direction. But they're at home, so you can throw all, all throw the record books out, as they always say. But this is going to be an important ball game. And then on Sunday, we'll be on the road uh, to Athens, Georgia. So we're going to be back tomorrow. So we'll recap the scheme against Ole Miss uh, tomorrow. Again, I promise you three three shows this week. That's exactly what you're going to get. But if you're in the area, Encourage you to go out and go watch a ball game. Uh, I feel good about the game, but it's like anytime you got to go on the road in this league, in any sport, it's never something you just look at and say, oh, yeah, we got that. Oh, we got that. Just not the case. But it uh, should be a very festive environment, probably a hostile environment in many respects. You know, their students will turn out. And uh, I know a lot of our fans look forward to going to the pavilion, not because of the nachos, but you like being able to go in there and make a little racket uh, in their arena. Just go up there and, and, and respect yourself, respect the program. Don't get involved in any any stupid stuff. Just go up there and support your team. No point in going up there being being an idiot or a jerk. There's enough of those people already there. So you don't need to show up out there and embarrass yourself with the program. Just go out there and cheer for the team, and hopefully the ladies can bring home uh, a victory. All right, time for today's top 10 list. is always, brought to you by ClothesWithBlair.com. C-L-O-S-E was Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is my friend, he is your friend, and he is our mutual friend in the mortgage industry. A lot of people, he said, you know what, Steve, I've never even thought about this process. I've always dreamed of one day owning a home, but I don't know how to, what to do. I don't know if my credit's good enough, I don't know what I qualify for. I just don't know what to do. That's why it pays to have somebody with 21 years of experience in the industry to kind of hold your hand through this. And a lot of times you think, you know, I want to get my hopes up and get them dashed. Well, listen, put your hopes in the hands of somebody that's been doing this for a long time. And to, to, top 1% close ratio in the country in back-to-back years. And Blair's such a good guy, he's going to pay for your appraisal. If you mentioned to him, you heard about him on the bond yard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. That's about a $500 value. So, I mean, again, we're, we're showing you this is a guy that gets it done, but a guy that wants your business. Give Blair a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, at 601-500-2344. You'll be glad you did. Give Blair a chance to give you a chance. That's com. All right, so a little different deal today. I told you guys I'm having a blast. I, I am. And uh, if you remember here, you know, a few weeks back, I was absolutely miserable absolutely miserable and of course i've put a lot of miles on a new mustang but it's been worth it and some would say steve why don't you fly you know what why don't you mind your business how about that number one i enjoy driving number two i have a tremendous fear of flying and it's not because i'm a control freak i used to love flying then i was on a plane one time that almost went down and uh i said you know what i think i'm done flying i think i'm done i am now granted i had to fly home and flew home without issue but i was like you know what at the time, I had really small kids, and I said, you know what? I got to take care of myself, and so I'm not going to do it. And so I will fly to, uh, I will drive to Alaska before I'll fly to Jackson. Just my personal policy. And plus, I like getting out there and listening to podcasts and, and uh, listening to music and kind of seeing things. I like stopping at places. Like, who knew I'd spend the night in Seminole, Oklahoma last night, right? I mean, I don't know. I, I like a new adventure, I do. All right, but I'm having a blast, and uh, so we're going to have our good time playlist today. Good time playlist today. Whether it be date night, whether it be an anniversary, whatever, get out and have a good time with people you love. It's one of the things that has really been driven home to me in the last, I don't know, 100 days or so, and I used to say this stuff all the time, and I meant it, but maybe I mean it with a little more vigor these days. I'd rather do things than have things. And some would say, Steve, speak for yourself. And I think maybe it's because I've had things and I realized the value in those things that I used to covet maybe isn't what I anticipated it being. I'd rather have the memory, right? I'd rather have that. You remember when this happened? And like my wife has been kind of teasing me because um, we were playing a game the other day and, and I was like, I don't think you're playing fair. You know, and it's all of a sudden it becomes because we're both overly competitive. And so we had to just kind of make an agreement to stop playing because like we're having such a good time. And then like the next day we decided to resume playing. So she starts mocking me like, oh, you don't think you're playing right? It was all good fun, right? But I think it's important sometimes, like we'll laugh about that now, that that'll become like a meme in our marriage, right? But sometimes you got to know when to pull it back. And don't let your good time get spoiled, you know, by ego or a misunderstanding. Open your mouth and talk. You know, open your mouth and just say, hey, 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 what's going on here with this? You know, we're having a good time. Don't let it happen. Don't get caught up and ruin the moment of something that's a special time. I mean, you just don't do it. All right, so here we go. Number 10. Now, I'll be honest with you, and some of you guys are going to laugh at me, because I thought Kenny Chesney sang this song. And maybe he does. And maybe, maybe that's what I remember. But uh, according to my research, the great George Strait, the great troubadour of our time, wrote the song Here for a Good Time. I ain't here for a long time. I'm here for a good time, or I'm here for a good time, not for a long time. So here for a good time from George Strait, number ten on our list today. Number nine in my list is backwards because of the way the app worked, but uh, number nine for me it's a song that's very special to me. I've talked about this on the show before. I don't know. I don't know why it is. You know, there is some songs you look at and say, you know what, this is uh, this is pretty cool, and. Maybe it's because I'm an overthinker like Tommy Lee, but it's Tommy Lee's Good Times off the album uh, Tommy Land, The Ride. I love that song. Like when I'm down and depressed sometimes, I put it on, and it immediately boosts my mood. All right, number eight on your list from the Lost Boys soundtrack. That's right. We're going back a few years because I'm from the 1900s. I know everything about the 80s and 90s. It's good time tonight from NXS and uh, Jimmy Barnes, who was a legend in Australia. But we're gonna have a good time tonight. Rock and roll music's gonna play all night. L- I love that song. I do. I love it. All right, number seven on your list. I'm going back to the disco era. You never knew, man. How would we work in? We've worked in country, metal, top forty, and now disco. It's good times from Chic, because these are good times. All right, number six on our list. And this band was huge in the 80s, huge. And I didn't like them for a while. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why I didn't like the singer's hair. And yeah, I'm petty. And like Rick Ocasek is like, you look at this guy and he's like, how is he getting all these hot girls? Well, it's because he sings. He's in a famous uh, rock band. But it's "What the Good Times Roll from the Cars. That's one of my wife's favorite songs years ago. And probably her favorite band of all times, number five. I love this song. I have always loved this song. And uh, while it's not just about good times, it kind of shows some balance in the force. It's good times, bad times. You know, I've had my share from What's Up One. Matter of fact, when, when when my wife graduated high school, they did the senior video. Like everybody had to get up and have a little, little thing. Like, it was so stupid. You look back in hindsight and you think, why did we ever think this was cool? But anyway, so they had to. Uh, you had to Introduce yourself and there's like your senior dedication or whatever. And then like the thing you had to say at the end, like your your little motto for living or whatever, she said led up on rules. And of course Led up on been broken up for many years. I married the right person. Okay. Uh, so good times, bad times, let's up when that's uh, number five on your list. Number four, and this is a bit of an obscure song. Some of you guys will know it. I absolutely love this song. I do. And uh, it's from a band called The Exes, and it's These Are The Days. And it's These Are The Days That Last Forever. And there were so many times in my life, it's like, in the moment, maybe you don't appreciate it. Like I'll give you a good example. Uh, it's a 2007 Egg Ball, right? Many of you were there, right? And so I'm there with my best friend, Ernie Turner his son Nick, my son Ani. We had season tickets for years together because we wanted our boys to know each other, right? We wanted our sons. Ernie and I were you know, uh, best friends growing up. And so we, even though we lived far apart, we wanted, we wanted, to, hey, this is a chance for us to get together a few times each year and our boys to get together because we wanted our, our kids to have a relationship. So we had these season tickets. And uh, you know how it was, man. It's like you just felt like we could ever get, get even here. And all of a sudden... Derek Pegues runs that punt back. And a lot of our fans had left, and we were sky dogs at the time. And so everybody's running around, high-fiving, complete strangers, right? I mean, because we're, we're all feeling the same thing. And then all of a sudden, we all felt like we're going to win this game. We're going to win this game. And lo and behold, we, we tried Adam Carlson out there. And everybody around me is like, oh, he's going to miss it. And I said, no, 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 he's got it. he's He's got it. It's too perfect. He's going to make it. And he did. and he. Pre- Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid. That was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba 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 ba. It probably would have been good from sixty, right? Adam Carlson absolutely ripped that thing through. And there have been so many times in my life when that comes up, when that memory comes up. Of course I remember Derek Baggies and many happy returns, Adam Carlson's kick, probably the biggest moment in his career. But I remember the way that everybody reacted. And I remember seeing the joy in the eyes of my friends and our boys. And I think, you know what? These are the days that last forever. It wasn't just the fact that we won. It's the fact that we were all in attendance. And we all had this shared experience. It was so much fun. You know, the ride home after that? It's like, hey, Coach, hey Steve, can you look up the quotes and get us this and get us that? And you get home and you watch the game again. Do y'all do that or is it just me? I said, like, it didn't matter what time of night it is. I go back and watch a game again. And so I go back and watch a game again. You know, it's friends and the, the game we just attended, right? But those are the days that last forever. And there are sometimes, too, it's like sometimes my wife and I will go, like, we went skiing the other day. Never going to forget your first time skiing, right? And so in the middle of all that, I thought, you know what? We're going to remember this day forever. So I want this day to be good. So I'm not going to complain about anything. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to mar the memory, not that I have anything to complain about, but you know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes you just want to be on your best behavior. It's like, you know, this is a day that I've had such a good time with the person I love the most, and so I'm going to forget about anything else but this moment, and it's so important to be in the moment and be present in those times. So these are the days from the axes. Most of you probably never heard the song, probably never heard of that band, but if you like rock music, I'm encourage you to put that song on. Number eight, it's In My Life from the Beatles. In My Life from the Beatles. This is one of those, uh, to me, it is a timeless classic. I don't know that this generation has truly embraced that song. I know yesterday was such a great movie, and it kind of reintroduced the Beatles to a new generation. But In My Life is an amazing song. And I got, I, I, one of my best friends is probably the biggest Beatles fan that I know, and he will be happy that the Beatles are on this list. I know when, he, he knows that I'm talking about him right now, and he's going to text me. He's going to say, you're right about in my life. Number three. Number two, and we're going country again, and I didn't really see this guy as country, even though he is country, but he's from Australia. It's Keith Urban. It's making memories of us. That's what life should be about. So I talked to my wife about that yesterday before I left. It's like there's so many things that, um, you know, we get distracted with. You know, it's not about the money you make. It's not about the car you drive. You know, it's really about how you love. It's the things you do together. It's about showing you love to the people that you love. You're being vulnerable, being present, being in the moment. We talked about that earlier. But it's like making yourself available. And I've done a lot of that here as of late. You know, we've had a lot going on. And it's like I think about what the last two months has been like for all of us in many respects as a, as a fan base. And then uh, kind of navigating through all this with her being in New Mexico. It's like, uh, so when I have taken some downtime, I've taken some downtime. But I'd rather have the memories than the money. Maybe you disagree. But when I'm laying on my dad's I'm not going to be counting my money. I'm going to remember the good times I have with my family. Number one for me, and again, this one's about Good times too. It's not good times in the title, but it's uh, you are the sunshine of my life. What what more beautiful words could be written than that? And I hope that you have somebody in your life. That's how you feel about it, right. And I, I tell you this: I've got some friends, and there have been times in my life I've been through this too. You have this, you have these amazing feelings for somebody, and it's somewhat unrequited, right? I, I'm gonna tell you, you, you can you can pack up and move on, right? That, that's you can always do that, right? You can always just pick up and leave. You can change relationships. You know, a friend of mine used to say, man, this the solutions to life's problems are very simple. If you don't like your job, you get another one. You're not happy in your relationship, you leave. Of course, it gets more complicated as you get older, right? When you're a teenager in your early 20s, all that stuff's easy. It's more difficult. I'm just going to encourage you to fight, man. Fight. And I don't mean fight physically. You know, it's like one of those things like, uh, if you, you know, start dating her again, man. Dude, just start dating her again. Start doing the things you did in the beginning because if you don't do them with her, you're going to have to do them with somebody else because she's going to be gone. So I'm just going to encourage you. uh, Hopefully you have somebody in your life that you love beyond all measure, and I hope that that love is returned. I hope all the people you love love you back, but I hope that you love one more than all and only one love love one in that way. But uh, Stevie Wonder, what an incredible musical genius, and we've done a top 10 of him before. I don't know if there is a better song. And you are the sunshine of my life. Superstition, probably. But as far as like feelings of somebody else, you are the sunshine of my life. It's absolutely outstanding. All right, next segment of the show brought to you, as always, by Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, a Stark Billy and the institution. I encourage you to go by and check them out next time you're in town and see their smiling faces. I just delivered a big uh, sack full of loot from Campus Bookmart out to New Mexico. Very well received. I love the products that are available at Campus Bookmart. I wear them regularly. You should as well. Not a better selection of Mississippi State merchandise anywhere in the known galaxy. Be sure and go check them out today. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to support a Starkville business by ordering online at CampusBookMart.net. Now, by being a Campus bookmart customer, you'll be extremely happy with your purchases. and me we'll give you a little promo code to help you. Go to CampusBookMart.net. And Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over seventy-five bucks. Any order less than seventy-five dollars, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmark.net. Okay. So as we sit here today, we're still not sure what Dylan Johnson is going to do. I'm going to share with you what I've learned. The first thing that I want to say right out of the gate: I love Dylan Johnson. I do. He is a very good football player. An even better person. I was not happy with how he handled his exit from Mississippi State. I have talked about that ad nauseum on the show. Didn't like the meme. I didn't like it. Now, a lot's changed since then. And Dylan had a lot of very positive, encouraging things to say after Mike Leach's passing. We all make mistakes. We do. My hope is that he's back. Now, is he a difference maker for us? I think he is. I think Dylan Johnson makes us a better football team, especially with us going to a more balanced attack. We'd love to have Dylan Johnson back. At this point, I don't expect him back. I know there was some optimism over the weekend because he was in town. He hung out with players. He had an opportunity to speak some with recruits. Now, there are some people that have kind of misunderstood that part of the process. He was not a host for a visit Right? He wasn't out there showing a guy around, giving the guided tour. That, that wasn't the case. And I think there's some misconceptions about that. Dylan Johnson just happened to be in town seeing his friends. Dylan Johnson still has a place in Starkville, right? And so he has a lot of friends and teammates and people that he loves that are in Starkville. And so he happened to be there. And so, of course, our, our students, our people in the Cotton District are like, hey, Dylan, we want you back, as, as you should. I will say this. There are some negative comments that have been made about Dylan Johnson on social media. That's not helpful. It's not helpful at all. It's not. It's not really who we are. And I understand people get in their feelings and people say and do things they probably shouldn't say or do. And so I don't think that has helped Mississippi State's pursuit of Dylan Johnson. Now some would argue, Steve, why should it matter? Well then why why tweet it? if it doesn't matter, then don't tweet it. And a lot of people feel like they have the right to speak for Mississippi State, and they don't. They're speaking for themselves. However, when you identify as a Mississippi State person on your feed and on your social media platforms, in an unofficial way, you are speaking for Mississippi State. And not all of that verbiage is good. Now, the latest I've heard on Dylan Johnson is that Washington is working exceptionally hard to keep him. He remains committed to Washington. He is not reported, and people are like, well, hey, what does that mean? Well, they're on the quarter system, so he didn't have to be there until March. So there's no, you know, undue urgency for him to make the move uh, to Washington. He can still kind of navigate through this process. Now, he's on the clock here. And the drop-add date happens uh, very, very soon at Mississippi State. And even though there is some wiggle room there, there is not an infinite amount of time. There is a lot that needs to be done. And there was some discussion, too, well, he is enrolled in a class. That doesn't mean anything. That means absolutely nothing. He has to be a full-time student at Mississippi State in order to participate and extracurricular activities in order to be a part of our football program he has got to be in class he has got to be doing what he is supposed to be doing uh, academically i mean you can't just go pull somebody off the street and put them on a football team right i mean they have to be a full-time student here at mississippi state so that's a minimum of 12 hours it's not too far gone but at this point i don't expect them things can certainly change conversations are ongoing but i am told that uh He is not speaking with our staff with the same frequency he once was. Ole Miss is involved. Of course, Washington. South Carolina is involved. I do think South Carolina is a bit of a sleeper here, maybe a dark horse in the race to get Dylan Johnson. I don't know their academic schedule. But if they want him, they can get it done. But that's kind of where we are today. I do think Dylan Johnson makes us a better football team, not just on the field, but in the locker room and in the weight room. This is a guy that's from Mississippi, a guy that understands how important it is. Now, we'll say this, that his brother did not have a great experience at Ole Miss. That's not to say they couldn't, uh, you know, remedy that, right? There's always that aspect of it. But uh, I don't – at this point, I would not expect Dylan Johnson. Now, does that change our season? I don't know that it does. I do think – Having Dylan and Woody together makes State more formidable as a running game. I do think Simeon Price is coming along. I have high expectations for Jeffrey Pittman. I think Seth Davis is an awfully interesting piece. And, of course, Seth on campus, Jeffrey on campus. And so you're going to have four scholarship running backs to get through spring practice with, no matter what Dylan Johnson does. That doesn't mean that we don't want him back. We do. You know, and and again... I don't want to speak for Dylan Johnson. I think it's better for Dylan to be here around his friends around his family. but I can tell you that uh, there's some people close to Dylan Johnson that didn't really care for the social media comments. They didn't and then all of a sudden so what if he comes back right is all forgiven? you know I've read some people out there oh we don't want him back Well when did we get so high and mighty? When did we get so high and mighty that's important to understand too again sometimes you got to give people room to be people and just imagine how he felt yeah you know, when he finds out that you know Mike leach is out here saying hey Dylan Johnson's leaving I'm kind of glad about that I think he's personal I think he's kind of soft I think Mike leach made a mistake even if Mike believed that and I believe you know hey in the moment Mike may have had an emotional moment too I think you got to give coach leach an opportunity to be a human being too but if I'm Dylan Johnson, And I've been through the wars for this guy, and I've played hurt for this guy, and I've gone out there and done the best that I can. Those comments are hurtful. And so there are no winners. There's nobody that's right in this situation. And so we're not making the situation any better by being human ourselves and getting out there and making these comments that I think are detrimental. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't believe so. But I think, you know, hey, if you're going to be a Mississippi State person, I think you need to be positive. People say, well, Steve, I'm a real one. I mean, and I'm going to be honest with you, most of the people that tell me that are completely fake. Well, I'm going to keep it real. Well, you know, do you keep it real with yourself when you look in the mirror? Do you keep it real at work? Right? And so let's not hold Dylan Johnson to a standard higher than we hold ourselves. If we're going to ask for grace when we make a mistake, we've got to be willing to offer grace when, we, when somebody else makes a mistake. And Dylan Johnson's got to do what he thinks is best for him. But I'm a Dylan Johnson fan, and I'm going to cheer for him before he goes Once it's Ole Miss. You know, and, of course, you know, one of the reasons it makes him so attractive to Ole Miss, I think, is just the optics of it all. It's, oh, well, we wouldn't got this guy, you know. You know, I, I, go, I go back and somebody pointed out to me, I think, that Ole Miss had, what, nine of the top 100 transfers last year and there's a chance they may only have two of them next year. And so we talk about this model being sustainable or unsustainable. I don't know. I don't think you can waste a scholarship on a PR move. That's just my personal opinion. Maybe, maybe you see it differently than me. I just know that the Mississippi State and Ole Miss are doing things completely different on the recruiting trail. And, and basically one year, one full year into this process, we have the golden egg. We have the ReliaQuest Bowl trophy. We have a top 20 finish. They don't have any of those things. They don't have a bowl trophy. They don't have the golden egg. They didn't finish ranked. We did. And again, that's a small sample size. But I think again, the early returns are more favorable in the way that Mississippi State's doing things. And you know, it's one of those things too, you look at the Ole Miss situation too. That they've had a they've had a rough stretch. You lose five of the last six, your coach wants to leave and can't get the job at Auburn. He didn't get the job at Auburn. Ole Miss then overpays him to stay. A guy that lost five of the last six and lost the golden egg. Right? You in Oxford? And their people were there to see it? And then he holds them hostage and you go out there and not to mention you know, all this you know upheaval with the staff and all this kind of stuff. I mean it's just you know, they've had a difficult stretch. And so what do you do if you're Ole Miss? Well you revert to the first play in your your Ole Miss playbook. It's okay, what's gonna mess with Mississippi State? You remember last year, like Malik Heath made all those comments in the media, and people were like, oh, well, you yeah, know, this is where you should go. And Malik Heath's what lost three straight egg balls? Is that right? Right? And I'm a Malik Heath fan. It's another guy, too, that made some mistakes with his mouth and with his activities and things like that. And, and Malik Heath made much bigger mistakes than Dylan Johnson's ever made. And so he becomes a convenient villain. And so I just think it's important to understand that there is a process in place here and that Ole Miss is one of these teams that's really big on the PR game, much more so than we are. They like to play the game. And I have people that message me and say, well, why don't we ever go mess with any of their players? Well, we don't want them. And why would you want to go get in trouble you know, tampering with their players? They've gotten in trouble tampering with our players and been sanctioned by the SEC office as a result of it. Oh, you're unaware? Yeah, maybe do some research in the Jerry and Jones and Fabian Lovett situation. A lot of their people in the media, you know, the same ones that told you it was women with basketball and tracks, oh, there's no tampering here, there's nothing here, but yet they got sanctioned by the league. And then those same media people had to go back and report that about why Malik Heath couldn't report to school last spring had to wait and do it in the summer. It's because they were sanctioned by the league. And so, again, you know, I wouldn't go run the risk of that. Now, in recent weeks, people in connection with other SEC programs have uh, made some calls and done some things that have been unscrupulous. And people say, Steve, everybody's tampering. Well, yeah, some people are doing it the right way and some people aren't. It's one thing if a high school coach or 707 coach calls you and says, hey, if so-and-so goes in the portal, would you have a level of interest? It's another thing when that call originates on behalf of your college football staff. If you're calling a third party and saying, hey, can this kid go get in the portal? We can give him this. And some of that's happened. Now, I've talked to Mississippi State officials. Many people have asked me. Uh, you know, we, I was aware of some things shortly after Mike Leach's passing. I turned my findings into the, to, uh Mississippi State officials. And basically what I understand is that uh, they used that information and they were able to uh, eliminate some problems. And I think that's where it ends. I don't think it goes beyond that. I think as long as the players are retained, I think as long as the players are uh, still in maroon and white, I don't think Mississippi State officials are going to get up in arms about this. I think what happens is when you have a guy that's maybe bought out from under you it becomes a difficult situation. Now, along those lines, one things I want to talk to you. I'm going to fuss about nil here for a few minutes. This is another layer to this thing. Okay, and so I'm not going to mention any names. We're going to speak hypothetically here. Okay. So don't go get on social media and say Steve mentioned this guy now because you don't know you don't know who's talking about. I got a lot of friends coaching college sports. I do. Many of them have passed through here. There are other people that I've met that are recruiting process, people that you meet you know, at camps. When you get out and go, go tour facilities and things like that, you meet a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people. So here's what's happening. And, again, let, let's say you got a kid that's going to Blue Mountain State and says, hey, coach, I'm thinking about transferring. Oh, well, why would you want to transfer? Well, you know, I just, I just want a fresh start. But more importantly, Coach, I think there's more money available for me out there on a the transfer market than I always. And if you don't think that's a factor in things, you're kidding yourself. There are a lot of kids out there that are looking to cash in. Now, some of those kids, too, they're in very bad situations. I shared with you guys on a recent show that, um, you know, we had a player that every, every month when he got his stipend, he would go sign it over to his parents maybe keep a, hundred, a couple hundred bucks spending money for himself and give the rest to his parents. So they could pay bills. They could put a little food on the table. They could have a Christmas. Not everybody is as fortunate as we are. And there are some guys out there that's like, hey, well, I see so-and-so's getting this and so-and-so's getting that. Now I'm getting tuition books and my stipend check. I think I could do better. And so then all of a sudden that coach will go to their collective and say, hey, you know, John Q. Player is looking to transfer, and it's because his parents are struggling a little bit, or maybe perhaps he got his girlfriend pregnant, or maybe he has a child at home he's having to take care of. And so it's difficult for him to navigate through his responsibilities as a son and or a father. So we got to help him. And so they take care of him. Let's say they give him, you know, 10,000 bucks over the course of a year's time. Because the the way these deals are structured, nobody just goes and writes that check and says, okay, here's $10,000, don't transfer. You put a plan together and it's kind of backloaded, right? You're going to get that in monthly installments. Well, then that guy goes back and, okay, I'm going to stay. And all his teammates are like, hey, I thought you were leaving. Well, I decided to stay. I talked to the collective and they're going to give me X number of dollars. Well, then all of a sudden his position mate or his roommate or, you know, one of his f- friends has got a locker next to him like, well, wait a minute. I produced more than this guy did. I had more tackles than he did. Why is he getting this money? Well, now all of a sudden I want to transfer. Well, this isn't fair. I didn't say I was going to transfer. I've been loyal to the program. I've done what the coaching staff have asked me to do. I hadn't been a cancer. I bought in. Why is this guy getting $10,000? So then he goes to the coach. Hey, coach, listen, this isn't right. I don't think I'm going to transfer. Well, then they go back to the collective. Hey, man, now we got a problem with this guy. So there's another $10,000 check. All of a sudden, he goes out to dinner one night, and, uh, you know, he's taking his girl somewhere, buying his girl a gift, or maybe he buys a car. And his friends are like, where did this come from? Oh, well, I got this from the collective. Well, wait a minute. And you kind of see where I'm going with this. Guys talk. They talk. And there are some guys out there, all of a sudden they begin to hold you hostage. It's like just when you think you've got one problem resolved by providing a solution, another problem is created. And these young people out here think that, that these collectives just have, you know, in, in order an inordinate amount of money. You know, the ESPN TV deal isn't funding the collective, it's your donations. And so this is becoming something that I think has to – you want legislation. This is one thing things that has to happen. I think they're going to have to get the schools involved in this. I've said for several months now that I believe what needs to happen is that the young people should be paid from the TV money. It should be part of the contract. There should be a collective bargaining agreement, and if that means that the players need to unionize so whatever – and I'm not a big pro-union guy. I understand it's, it's a big part of things in other parts of the country. It's an important part, uh, you know, of the, uh, of the workforce for a lot of people that um, work very, very hard. You know, and I've got some friends that are in unions. They want the best deal for their families. I don't blame them. On the other side of that, too, there's a business. They want the best deal for their families, too. they got to be able to stay in business. That's why they got into business. And so there has to be something, because if not, we're going to bleed everybody dry. It's going to be absolutely unsustainable. The, the, the current model cannot continue to flourish. And like people say, oh, well, Steve, you know, I heard that so-and-so's got $25 million and they're collective. Yeah, well, let one loudmouth kid go out there and tell them that the collective, you know, bought him a car, is paying for his rent or put him in a nice house with his girlfriend and his kid. Let that get out and see what happens, because it does. It does get out, because there is no anonymity. Everybody sees. I mean, think about your own circle of friends when you were in college. If one of your friends showed up with a new vehicle, you're going to notice, and you're going to ask, where did that come from? and chances are they're going to tell you because their loyalty is more to you than it is to some collective or even to a coach. And so it's going to get out. And so I think the deeper we get into this process, the more problems we're uncovering, and I think that's the big thing that people need to fully appreciate here is this situation is not getting better. It's getting worse. And we've become so student-athlete-centric, and I have always been a person that has been an advocate for what's best for the student-athletes. But there has to also be a balance about what's best for the school, what's best for the program. Right now, it is skewed in one direction in a major, major way, and I think that's a very negative thing. And many of you would say, oh, Steve, let them get whatever they want. Okay, that's easy to say when it's not your money. That's why I think that this has to be Rather than going out having to solicit donations from other people, which is what we have to do now, and it's important in order for Mississippi State to compete, but there has got to be some meaningful legislation that enables players to get paid in all sports, in all sports, that doesn't constantly flow back to donorship. Because people are going to become completely disenfranchised with college athletics. It's, it's already more difficult now than it ever has been. And again, this is the thing that I go back to. And nobody wants to talk about this. So I will. Why is it that it's the full scholarship kids? The ones that are going to graduate college debt-free. Why are they the ones that always want more? Why isn't it the softball team? Why isn't it the soccer team? Or the baseball team? Why aren't we taking care of the partial scholarship sports? Well, it's because the full scholarship sports generate the most revenue. But the thing that I think about is if you're going to get a free education and graduate debt-free and get all this free gear and have a chance to build a brand, and that's not enough. That's not enough. And that's another thing I look at, too. It's like, what's really your contribution? Do you think that, let's say, a second-team corner contributed more to the Mississippi State brand than Rowdy Jordan did? Well, of course you wouldn't say that. Rowdy Jordan had to pay to play. Rowdy Jordan didn't graduate debt-free, but Rowdy Jordan won an national championship. We had some other guys who went to the Liberty Bowl, and they want more and more and more and more and more. So where does it end? I don't think we as individuals can fix it. I think somebody has to come out and say, okay, as an institution, as a governing body of college athletics, this is how it's going to be, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to redefine amateurism. And we're going to eliminate third-party stuff. We're going to do all this in ourselves under our own umbrella. Because when you start involving third-party influence, all of a sudden you got third-party rights. And all of a sudden people are involved that shouldn't be involved. You know, in the beginning, remember all this was supposed to be a quid pro quo. It's like, hey, I can go pay this guy to do an ad for me or do a social media posting for me. Or come sign autographs at a fundraiser for for our company, our business. That's what's supposed to happen. People were going to yes, there's money available, but you have to do something in order to receive it. And that's no longer the case. I mean, the rules aren't being enforced. This thing is just running wide open down the tracks, and people seem powerless and unwilling to, unwilling to stop it. And that's the thing that I think about. Is like if you really wanted to fix this, you would. It's not about being capable, it's about being willing. I don't have all the answers, but I can promise you if you put me in charge of this, we'd figure something out. We may have to go through years and years of lawsuits to get it done, which is how life works. But we would put some policies in place, and that's the thing, too, that I go back to. It's like, hey, you know, when you agreed to be a member of an NCAA member institution, there's a certain code of conduct you agreed to. When you signed your national letter of intent, when you signed your scholarship paperwork, you said, okay, I am willing to play under the parameters of this organization as they see fit. And now we want to renegotiate the deal. Okay, I'm not opposed to change, but not at the detriment of college athletics. And that's what we're facing. And I hate to sound like an alarmist today, but that's the reality of it. Is we are facing something that I think is completely unsustainable, and I think it's going to lead to the disenfranchment, excuse me, the disenfranchising, or disenfranchisement, whatever it is, of a lot of casual fans. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm not, you know. And uh, I think I heard Robbie say recently, "You got to cheer for the logo." It's like it's almost impossible to fall in love with players anymore because they'll leave. And then you find out later that your favorite player, you know, you, oh, he loves Mississippi State. You find out, you know, that we had to give him X thousand dollars to get in Mistay, to, <laughs> to go not to go in the portal. You know, it's just a difficult situation to navigate. And again, I'm because I have birth, excuse me, I have fathered my wife, birthed them. Uh, you know, some very very talented college students, one of which played college baseball that we're still paying for. Right? Uh, I get it. You know, I understand how that works. But I also think, too, it's like sometimes I look back and say, you know, Annie, why couldn't you have been a better basketball player or football player? You could have graduated debt free. You know, but just because you had excelled at a different sport, you and your parents have to pay. Am I bitter about it? Absolutely not. I write that check happily every month, even though he's been graduated a couple of years now. But was memories I'll never get back, you know, but I'll have forever. It was if you told me back then, "Hey, Steve, your kid's gonna play college baseball. It's gonna cost you X thousand dollars." I said, "Okay, let's do it. Let's do it's worth it to me. I want him to have those memories. I want him to have the experience. Let's do it." And there are a lot of people, of course, that don't have the ability to do that. But I think it's important to understand that uh, the 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 road in which we're on will not lead us home. All right, final segment of the show brought to you as always by your friends at Portico. And this will be a little bit shorter than normal because i got to get out of here. I'm sure the folks at Housekeeping are going to come kick me out. Uh, but either way, we'll get it done here. So uh, let me go and give you Brooks' phone number. Portico, the great place to live, the great place to just – whether it be your second home or your ballgame weekend retreat, Portico has a place for you. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. you would be glad you did. Give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. Portico, conveniently located off 82. You turn on the 12, the very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stoppers, Portico on the right. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State mm-hmm. campus. What could be better than that? All your friends, all your family would love to come see you, and see, see you on their way to the ball game, or maybe even stay with you. If I was moving to Starkville, that's where I'd move. Portico, make it your next move. Okay, I thought, you know, again, we're going to be entering SEC Baseball Media Day soon. As a matter of fact, we will be with uh, Coach Limones and the crew tomorrow. So I wanted to take a look back at last year. And let's look at what the SEC coaches predicted for baseball last year within the league. So we'll start in the east Number one, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was picked to win the East with nine first-place votes. Of course, there are 14 of these, right, because there's 14 coaches. So nine coaches picked Vanderbilt, number nine. I suspect that Chris Amonis wasn't one of them. Number two was Florida with three first-place votes. Number three was Georgia with two first-place votes. I think that was a little bit optimistic. Uh, Number four, how ironic was this, Tennessee with zero first-place votes. Pick fourth in the league. Goes to show you, you know, you just never know. And this isn't the SEC media voting. This is your SEC coaches. Number five with 43 points with South Carolina, 20 points behind Tennessee. Tennessee only had 63 points. It's crazy. Kentucky was sixth with 34, and then Missouri 20. So if you do the math on that, It appears that everybody, with one exception, picked Missouri last. Probably Missouri's coach, right? Probably the difference there. So that's how the East was predicted by the SEC coaches. I guess we'll start from the bottom and work our way up here on the West. Pick last in the West, a team that went to Omaha, Auburn, with 22 points. Texas A&M, sixth, and look at the the season that Slashnagel and those guys had in year one at College Station. Narrowly ahead of them was Alabama with 38 points. Number four was LSU, who also had one first-place vote, and that's probably LSU. I don't think anybody else would have picked LSU based with what they had coming back last year to be better than Arkansas, Mississippi State, or Ole Miss. Tied for second last year was State and Ole Miss at 77. The difference – they had four first-place votes. Arkansas had five. So Arkansas, with 80 points, narrowly edges out. State, no miss. Interesting stuff, right? Let's go back and look. Overall championship votes. Now, this is fun. This is interesting right here. LSU won. Somebody picked LSU to win it all last year, win the SEC. Two votes for Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Florida. Arkansas with three but you know who was predicted to win the SEC last year according to the coaches? Yeah, your 2022 national champion Ole Miss Rebels. How about that? At the time people were like, oh, "Yeah, come on. They won an AFL championship. So maybe pay attention." You know, the coaches didn't nobody picked Tennessee to win it last year. So it's proof positive somebody can come out of nowhere. And I don't know if you would say that A&M's come out of nowhere. I think A&M is is really a team to watch in the West this year. I do. All right, looking back, uh, some names to remember. First team, all SEC, according to the coaches last year in the preseason. Logan Tanner. Trey Morgan from LSU at first. Robert Moore. Yeah, Bob Moore from Arkansas. Jacob Berry at third. Jake, Jacob Gonzalez at short for Ole Miss. Uh, Dylan Cruz Enrique Bradfield and Judd Fabian were your outfielders. Dominic Keegan was your DH. He you know, and a bit of catcher. Landon Sims, Hunter Barco, and Nick Maldonado. I'd say all those guys had great years last year. Of course, uh, Landon Sims got hurt. Logan Tanner probably, maybe not first team at the end of the year. But uh, the only other Bulldog to make it was uh, Luke Hancock, was a DH on the second team. And so I say that to kind of preface this year. you got to take all this with a grain of salt. I've always felt that the coaches' polls was a little more objective, right? Those guys know baseball better than any of the media guys do, even those of us that love it. Like, they know because they know the kids. They see them all year long. They've recruited them. They know their strengths and their weaknesses. And so, again, Tennessee comes out of nowhere. And then Ole Miss, you know, the SEC coaches maybe knew something before everybody else did, right? Right. And it's interesting. It's interesting to look back in hindsight and see how a lot of that was pretty close, but some of it was completely off the mark. And so when these numbers come out, I again take them with the grain of saw, but take them with maybe a little more maybe confidence, I guess, than um than what you see in the media. But it's, again you look at Tennessee pick fourth last year and they absolutely ran away with things, ended up being the number one team in the NCAA tournament in the College World Series. It's crazy to think about. It. And uh, it's great to think that at February 17th, we're going to be out of Duty Noble Field uh, watching Mississippi State play VMI. And uh, looking forward to meeting with Coach tomorrow and uh, some players and kind of getting some information and getting ready for uh, a new season. Looking forward to that. We're going to wrap it up with that. Uh, Listen, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilebook.com, and you can can get all my new books there, all my sports books, Dogpile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Uh, Stark Villains, Bloomsville Leander, of course, available through uh, Amazon.com, booksamillion.com, barnesandnoble.com. Be sure and check all that out. Stark Villains gear, always available at starkvillains.com. And if you're not a member of jeanspage.com, you certainly should be. Come by and check us out today. We'll be glad you did. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.